Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre's Podfast. Ha <laughs> something was going to hit me from that. I have got to fix that. So this is podcast number two, uh, what I hope to be a long-running series, uh, but a short-running pod fast, podcast, because it's called Podfast, and this title is Quick Takes from the Continuum, number one, because I plan to do more of those too. I've got a lot of titles, and i got a lot of sub-series and subtitles. Just live with it, okay? That's how things work. That's how they work in my head anyway. This podcast is several albums were released on July 15th that I'm going to give quick takes on. That's, that's pretty much it. Uh, seven albums. I thought about breaking these up into seven different pod fasts, and I said, no, all right, so, you know, slightly longer than the fastest pod fasts in the world, but the point of music is not a genre is to show that you don't need to separate music like that, and I guarantee you there will be at least one of these albums that you will be interested in listening to, and my hope is that as you listen through or watch that you will get interested in listening to another one of these albums that you may not have been interested in listening to. I want to make those connections like that. First album is, and the, the genres are all over the place, which is, again, the whole point. The first album is a band called And You Will Know Us by The Trail of Dead. Always love that name. Their album 11, Roman numeral 11, Bleed Here Now. Uh, I call this their epic attempt based on their song from this album, Our Epic Attempts, because it is an epic album, over 20 tracks, mixing emo, progressive, post-hardcore. It's straddling all these genre lines. It splits the difference well between experimental, abstract expressionism, especially in the interstitials, which have strings and electronic and spoken word and all that, and straight-ahead power pop. And yes, I do call it power pop because it is melodic and it has a pop sensibility in many of the songs. I do wish those particular songs didn't have those trail endings, only because I love putting stuff on playlists and that kind of, you know, if you're a DJ, you just mix that part of it out. But if you're just making a playlist, you don't want that extra 30 to 45 seconds of a tail on the song before you get to the next song. That is a, that is a minor quibble. That's a minor quibble. This is an album that should have been, should come across as very overbearing and bombastic. But to me, I find it ambitious in a good way. I find it very knowing and self-aware. I find it very humble in a lot of ways. And I think that it runs the full emotional range 
uh, of uh, the way I would like a good album to do. Uh, not every album has to do that. Not every artist has to do that. But I like that. And I, I think it runs a full sonic range, too. Listen in particular to The Golden Sale. I think it sums up the album. Taken by the Hand, 11 plus minutes, does what a song that long should do, which is it changes. It's not just one long loop, which I guess if you're, you know, in a trance is wonderful, but otherwise kind of boring. Contra Mundum is, I think, the most beautiful song on the album and the one that is sticking in my head right now. And so I recommend that you listen to that second album, Keeping It Moving. Be a Badoobie, Beatopia. Uh, I've been following her for a few years now. She is a British artist. I really enjoy what she does. My subtitle here is One Person's Nostalgia, dot, dot, dot. And that's because she's pulling from a lot of 90s and early O's music, which has become nostalgia and uh, the retro now for a lot of people. Olivia Rodrigo comes to mind and several other artists. I think it's wonderful because anytime you can pull back something that's been gone for a while, it's very refreshing. I, you know, I love electronic music. Rec does a lot of electronic music, but... Uh, with electronic music kind of dominating the charts for many, many years, it's nice to hear the acoustic kind of, you know, grungy, guitar-y, garage rock instruments here. It has a polish the way a lot of pop albums do, but I will say this, she is British, as I said, and I find that British artists' versions of the, of the same music that American artists are doing is usually more interesting. Uh, L, L uh, I forget her name, uh, comes to mind. And uh, think Harry Styles as opposed to Justin Timberlake. Both amazing. Both, you know, the production on all of their stuff is really, really good. But I feel as though uh, Harry Styles was better able to break out of that boy band uh, box. I mean, anyone would say that, that Timberlake in the, his early days was uh, e easily as successful, if not more so. But again, I just think there's an aesthetic in Britain that allows for more variation and and production-wise allows you know artists to bring in just different sounds that you wouldn't necessarily expect from that genre. It's not so rigid. And that's one of the things I like about this album, my favorite tracks, uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I would say this is probably rises as of these, you know, sort of my favorite with a qualification there. Um, and you'll understand why there's a qualification. I highly recommend it. I think especially if you're older and you like that music from the 90s and O's, it's going to call forth a lot of feeling for you. And if you're not older... Uh, she's just really good at what she does. And I do think there's a lot of variation on the album. Not a ton, but enough, you know. Colin a Magician is the third artist here. The album is Head Full of Snow. The subtitle that I gave it is Titular Perfection because it does sound like where it comes from, like a head full of snow. This is actually someone I know. It's a guy named Steve Erickson working under the name Colin Magician. And what I love about the work he does uh, as that artist is that you never know where it's going to go. It does not do the expected. It almost never does the expected. It is not predictable in any way. I'd call it abstract impressionism. It's often atonal. It often plays with ideas of rhythm. It often plays with ideas of how an instrument or sound is supposed to be used, is supposed to come across. Again, it's, it, it does a lot of unexpected things. It creates kind of sonic landscapes and, you know, emotional landscapes, moods, but the moods have a lot of variation both between each one and within each one, but particularly between, between each one. 
And my favorites on this album are 1, 2, 5, 8, and 10. And it's only on Bandcamp. As with all of these, I will be putting links. So please pop that link and listen to this album. And then go ahead and listen to a lot of Call of the Magician stuff and see if you kind of get what I'm getting at with that description. The fourth artist, slightly older artist, Chicago. Their 38th album called Born for This Moment, and the subtitle I gave this is absolutely no objectivity because I don't have any anymore when it comes to Chicago. I've been a fan of theirs for a really long time, and I'm one of those fans who is both uh, too easily won over and also very disappointed uh, almost always. And, (laughs) you know, I think if you're a Chicago fan, you understand what I'm saying there. I will say that with the the new lead singer from Canada, or one of the main lead singer, uh, with Walt Parazader having to retire, and uh, there's only three original members left, I think there's a refreshed, renewed energy in this album that I haven't heard in more recent uh, Chicago albums. I find most Chicago albums to be bloated in the later period, and overproduced and overwrought in a lot of ways. And I always wish that there was more attention paid to more concise songwriting and, conversely, more experimentation and a willingness to kind of branch off and do crazy instrumental stuff or arrangements and things like that. The good thing is there's more of both of those things on this album. Uh, I Number three was my one of my favorites, although there were several that I really did enjoy. I think I would love to hear from a Chicago fan about this. If you're not a Chicago fan, that's fine. Listen to it. I think you'll find some things you enjoy. It is easy listening, you know, not in the way a lot of uh, people think of Chicago, which is a shame because if you know enough about them, you know that they did not start that way. Uh, But it's an album that I'm going to listen to again because I'm a fan and I hope to pick out more of the kind of nuance and things, including some flute solos, which you haven't heard a lot of in recent years. Uh, the fifth album is by a group called The Drop. The album is Long Held Grudges. The subtitle here is Renewed Repurposing. Full disclosure, this is my group. Uh, it's, it's the name that I use when I am producing music for soundtracks and other visual media, stage, and things like that. I've been using this name for over a decade. The songs on this album span uh, two decades. And from one from this year and several going all the way back from various years, they represent uh, material from five different movies and a stage show, as well as one brand new song not heard anywhere else. And it's all instrumental music. It's and 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 it is eclectic. It's eclectic the way I like to be eclectic. It doesn't go for one mood. Um, something I'm going to bring up later on with a different artist uh, is similar to what you might hear on the Trail of Dead. Uh, those interstitials in some ways, but in general, the idea that it spans a range, it spans a sonic range, it spans an emotional range. Rather than tell you my favorites, because how can I do that? I'm just going to quickly go through and say each you know track here, Outer Loper, number one, f- and number two, Flyde, uh, five, L-I-D-E, looks like Slide, were both from sta- a stage show a few years back that I then repurposed and reproduced and uh, added things to for this album. Classical Space Jazz 1 is, uh, there's a second one out there. It's from a movie called Lock, Load, Love. I think it's quirky and weird, and I hope you enjoy it. Breaking the Shadow is repurposed music 
uh, in terms of me re-recording a song that I had wrote and recorded two other times, uh, well over, well, 20 and 24 years ago. And it's called, uh, it was called Behind the Shadow. And this Breaking the Shadow was a theme for one of the characters in the movie, Nicky Newark. Flunky Fesh is the brand new song. Go to track five. This is only on Bandcamp. Go to track five and listen to that first. Tell me what you think. Track six, Mellow Mind Thump, was from the, is the earliest recorded track on this album. It was for uh, a movie from 2002 that was meant to be uh, one kind of general theme with variations on top of it. So I took a few of those that worked well together, stitched them together, created this. Track seven and track 10, Floating and Gone, Ghosts of Home, are from a movie called Requiem. They are through composed piano pieces with some kind of haunting melancholy feel to them. Very different from uh, the other stuff on this album. Treading Too Deep is an instrumental of a cover and a cover of a song by Garbage. Uh, you might not be able to hear that unless you know the original song because there are no lyrics or vocals on any of these songs. And that was from the movie Lockload Love. It has a sound in there from a soda machine that you'll hear right away that I love to put into the song. Redemption is another song uh, from a song I had written uh, over 20 years ago called Scream. I took that idea and re-recorded it for, the, again, the movie Nicky Newark. It was one of those, you know, kind of uh, character themes. And then the very, very, very last one, I already talked about track 10, Ghosts of Home, is 11. Bonus track is a cover, an instrumental cover of the Elton John song Rocket Man, which I call Rocket Trip Man. And you will understand why I use that title when you listen to it, please do. Please click the link. Click the link and call it a magician too. Go ahead and click the other five, but they're everywhere by well-established artists. That's fine. I, I enjoy them too, but please patronize the drop, patronize Colin a magician in particular. Next album, we have two more to go. Interpol. Interpol's been around for a while, over 20 years now, I believe, uh, which was surprising to me. Their album's called The Other Side of Make Believe, and my subtitle is Riding a Mood. I'm not a fan of artists, uh, periods, where they are sticking to one thing. Actually, I won't say I'm not a fan. You know, like, let's say the blue period, you know, for a visual artist. That, you know, what's good about most artists like that is that they then do something different. I always wonder with an artist like Interpol or like The National, where the, uh, they are basically mood bands, whether they are doing it 100% by choice, where they're like, this was the concept we created, we want to stick with it and just vary it a little bit, or uh, is it that's where their strengths are? And that's not, all, I won't say all they can do because I don't want it to sound judgmental, but it's that that's what they do the best and that's what they feel the best and feel the most and that's why they do it. The reason I say this is because even though I was never a huge Interpol fan, I was enough of a fan to have seen them in concert and to have enjoyed that kind of post-punk sound that they had. And what I always want from a band that's been around for a while is to honor their history, but bring it to the present. And I feel like they absolutely have done the first thing, and I'm not 100% sure that they've done the second thing. And this is the only album uh, from the five that are not you know, me or my friend that are on streaming services that I did not put anything 
from on any of my playlists because I just couldn't find one standout song. Even though Into the Night, it's a very interesting song, track three, it's got an odd time signature and that woke the album up a little bit for me. I never feel, never felt like the album took off the way I really wanted it to. And that may be because I'm not in that mood. You got to be in maybe in that mood to enjoy that music. And so it's really nothing against the music. It's just maybe something that I, I just am not, I'm no longer into the way I was or, or what have you. And the final album, Lizzo, her album special. My subtitle is Incessant Intoxicating Identity Invention. There's always a lot of uh, affirmation and positivity in what Lizzo does and, 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 and backbone and not backing down. Uh, I love that she is able to, I mean, hey, flute again connects with Chicago, right? And, and quick aside from Interpol, if you combine, if you compare Interpol to Trail of Dead, their most recent albums, there's a big difference because I think that Trail of Dead covers the entire sonic and emotional range and Interpol it does one or two things and they do it really well. But that's, again, that's not my vibe. Lizzo goes all over the place and does it super well. What she's doing has definitely uh, 80s influence to it. She has some even 90s influence there, but she's mixing up genres. It's not just funk and pop. She's got a bunch of other things going on. And again, like I said, of course, the flute. Uh, she does 80s, I think, better than The weekend. And not because he doesn't do it well, but because she, again, is bringing something new to the conversation along with honoring the stuff that she really loves, you know. And, um, I, you know, I like the, uh, the song, Bitch, pushes the envelope of sincerity in a way that I think will eventually change things. When you start doing things in songs that initially seem... Whoa, how can that be done? I didn't know you can do that. Or they might even be jokey or tongue-in-cheek. Eventually, they become the norm. And the fact that uh, she is using that word in a way that has certainly been used by people in private, but not necessarily in a song, I think is is one of the great things about her. She also reminds me a lot in terms of production, uh, Laura Mvula. The album came out last year. Please look her up. That's an amazing album because of that kind of 80s thing. Um, you hear uh, uh, like influences directly, Coldplay on the one song. You hear um, Beastie Boys on Girls. Uh, you know, th- even though they're not sampled, they're there. And I, you know, I urge you to contact me and tell me if you hear what I'm hearing, because I'm, I'm 100% positive that that stuff is there. It's interesting that... It could easily be a repetitive sound, but there is nothing, nothing repetitive and mind-numbing about this album. Uh, she manages to keep the energy up throughout, which I just find beautiful and amazing. Because eventually, listen, this throwback stuff, as with every retro, is going to get tiresome. So if you're an artist who is only relying on that, you'll be left in the dust she doesn't do that. What she does is all her. And the fact that there's stuff in there that sounds like the 80s is just about love. It's about the love of that music. And she has a fuller range of emotions to me than a lot of the retro artists that are doing that thing. And that's it. That's seven albums. 
people. Let me know what you hear. Let me know which ones you've listened to. Please click on all of these links, but in particular, call in a magician and the drop. And thank you for being here for the second ever pod fast. No joke. I'm leaving now. Nothing's going to... It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.